Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Welcome to Snoozecast, the podcast designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and occasionally original stories. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please review us on Apple Podcasts and also share it with a friend. This episode is brought to you by Noticeable Patterns. Tonight, we'll be reading from the Voyage Out by Virginia Woolf, first published in 1915. In the story, Rachel Vinrace embarks for South America on her father's ship and is launched on a course of self-discovery in a kind of modern, mythical voyage. The novel also introduces Clarissa Dalloway, who would become a central character of Woolf's later novel, Mrs. Dalloway. Let's get cozy, close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Chapter one, as the streets that lead from the strand to the embankment are very narrow, it is better not to walk down them arm in arm. If you persist, lawyers' clerks will have to make flying leaps into the mud. Young lady typists will have to fidget behind you. In the streets of London, where beauty goes unregarded, eccentricity must pay the penalty. And it is better not to be very tall, to wear a long blue cloak, or to beat the air with your left hand. One afternoon in the beginning of October, when the traffic was becoming brisk, a tall man strode along the edge of the pavement with a lady on his arm. Angry glances struck upon their backs. 
the small, agitated figures, for in comparison with this couple, most people look small, decorated with fountain pens and burdened with dispatch boxes, had appointments to keep, and drew a weekly salary so that there was some reason for the unfriendly stare which was bestowed upon Mr. Ambrose's height and upon Mrs. Ambrose's cloak. But some enchantment had put both man and woman beyond the reach of malice and unpopularity. In his case, one might guess from the moving lips that it was thought, and in hers, from the eyes fixed stonily straight in front of her, at a level above the eyes of most, that it was sorrow. It was only by scorning all she met that she kept herself from tears, and the friction of people brushing past her was evidently painful. After watching the traffic on the embankment for a minute or two with a stoical gaze, she twitched her husband's sleeve and they crossed between the swift discharge of motor cars. When they were safe on the further side, she gently withdrew her arm from his, allowing her mouth at the same time to relax, to tremble, then tears rolled down, and leaning her elbows on the balustrade, she shielded her face from the curious. Mr. Ambrose attempted consolation. He patted her shoulder, but she showed no signs of admitting him. And feeling it awkward to stand beside a grief that was greater than his, he crossed his arms behind him and took a turn along the pavement. The embankment juts out in angles here and there, like pulpits. Instead of preachers, however, small boys occupy them dangling string, dropping pebbles, or launching wads of paper for a cruise. With their sharp eye for eccentricity, they were inclined to think Mr. Ambrose awful. But the quickest witted cried, Bluebeard, as he passed. In case they should proceed to tease his wife, Mr. Ambrose flourished his stick at them, upon which they decided that he was grotesque merely, and four instead of one, cried Bluebeard in chorus. Although Mrs. Ambrose stood quite still, much longer than is natural, the little boys let her be. Someone is always looking into the river near Waterloo Bridge. A couple will stand there talking for half an hour on a fine afternoon. Most people, walking for pleasure, contemplate for three minutes, when having compared the occasion with other occasions, or made some sentence they pass on. Sometimes the flats and churches and hotels of Westminster are like the outlines of Constantinople in a mist. Sometimes the river is an opulent purple, sometimes mud-colored, sometimes sparkling blue like the sea. It is always worthwhile to look down and see what is happening, but this lady looked neither up nor down. The only thing she had seen since she stood there was a circular iridescent patch slowly floating past with a straw in the middle of it. The straw and the patch swam again and again behind the tremulous medium.